you're listening to the Game Street Office podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I am joined by Jeffrey Russo and Brendan Sinclair. We are back from an unscheduled, uh, <laughs> unscheduled break, but um, we've we've been keeping busy. You may have noticed the uh, the swish new look for the website. Uh, we've also been covering a number of other events, but the the podcast is back. I have had at least one person ask, "Is the podcast still going?" Yes, yes, it is. We're going to be talking about the biggest stories from the past week. Um, multiple stories actually kind of blended into one. It's uh, it's financial season. Most companies are publishing the results for their first quarter of the financial year. So that's April to June 2022. Uh, and there's a running theme. Most, if not all of them, are seeing declines. Um, not major declines, I would say. Some of them more major than others. But it's still like they're all seeing um Slight dips in you know sales, revenue, profits, certainly. Um, I'm not going to bore everyone with the numbers. I'm not going to throw numbers and percentages at you. You can find all the coverage over at uh, gamesindustry.biz. And if you look in the article for this podcast and the show notes for this podcast, I will be linking to the various articles there. Um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of talk about this. We, this feels like this was somewhat expected. This was, this was due. This is the post-pandemic uh, bubble bursting, I suppose. Um, Brendan, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, first, I'll take exception to post-pandemic because, like, we've had ERs being closed in in the hospital system here in Ontario this True. week. Okay. I apologize for my erroneous use and of post. I know what you mean. It's 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 basically just people are starting to go back to doing things again they're leaving the house they they have more entertainment options than they did two years ago um and that's obviously taking you know its toll on on some of these some of these companies some more so than others uh one one of the one of the the publishers that that really stood out to me was activision blizzard um their numbers were were down significantly uh, across the company, their engagement numbers were down for Activision. Um, for for Call of Duty, they had under 100 million monthly active users for the first time since they launched Call of Duty Mobile. It's the big free to play uh, thing that you know completely crushed uh, their numbers, their record previously when it launched in 2019. Um, like it was overnight tripling their their active user number for for the activision division and then this this quarter they launched diablo immortal the for the quarter that we're talking about here q2 uh the end of june and their daily active user numbers for for company-wide were down for blizzard they were up barely they were up like 27 million to 28 million or something and that was absolutely shocking. Blizzard's monthly active user numbers, uh, they, they were up. Uh, they were 27 million this quarter. And the previous year's second quarter, they were 26 million. So like, hooray, that's up a little bit, but it's not exactly what I would have expected from the launch of a major free-to-play game like Diablo Immortal and, and one that also um, seems to be bringing in you know, more than a hundred million dollars, uh, I think already is what the uh, like sensor tower tally has has been for it. So, so something that seems to be a successful launch, um, but the active user number there for for Blizzard just is 
it, it was barely able to uh, reverse a like years long slide in in active users for Blizzard. Um, last last in the first quarter, they had 22 million active users, which was the lowest number Blizzard had ever reported since they started actually revealing these numbers. I think in 2016, um, and the the whole the whole picture from the Activision Blizzard uh, financials is just that the company is is having like a a downturn uh unlike any i remember seeing since i started covering their financials about 2005 um it's it's weird like other publishers have these dips every now and then they have bad quarters they have bad stretches uh the the last three or four quarters for activision blizzard have just been really underwhelming um and I, I think there are a few, there are a few elements to that. And there's, like, y- you could make an argument as for why this is a temporary blip, and they'll pull out of it, you know, as early as the end of the year. Um, but I think you could also make an argument that that this is is not something that they're going to like bounce back from, and that this is different from a normal malaise and something that's much more concerning. Like if we look at their their product lines, you got Activision, then you got Blizzard, then you got King. Um, Activision has has narrowed its output to just one one franchise. Really, it's just Call of Duty, all Call of Duty all the time. And if people ever get tired of Call of Duty, that's kind of disastrous for them. Uh, it's it's still a huge franchise and still makes a bunch of money. But uh, this year in particular, Call of Duty Vanguard was a disappointment i think a a good chunk of that is the world war ii setting isn't uh doesn't appeal to gamers these days the way maybe it did 20 years ago um i think that uh there's been some cannibalization maybe uh with call of duty mobile launching in 2019 call of duty warzone free to play pc console one launching early 2020 um i I think they got such a boost from those and the pandemic combined that there was going to be some give back there anyways. Um, but it, it it's also, you know, it's been like 20 years of pretty consistent growth for Call of Duty. And I, I wonder if maybe we're finally at the point where people are just a bit tired of it. Like the engagement numbers on it have been slipping for a year and a half, I want to say. Um, now maybe some of that's that black ops cold war was also a bit disappointing. Uh, but I, I look at that and I see, you know, they've got modern warfare two this fall. And then after that, they're taking a year off. Um, and modern warfare two is maybe like the, if if something's going to turn things around, that seems like it has as good a chance as anything, um, for, for turnaround for call of duty, uh, modern warfare one, the not the original one in the 2000s, the one like in 2019, uh, the publisher said was its most successful Call of Duty ever. So this is a sequel. It's uh, it's Infinity Ward developed, right? Which is always, the Infinity Ward has kind of been like the lead studio for for most of the stretch. Um, although Treyarch and Black Ops has, has been pretty significant too. Uh, so like, yeah, maybe maybe it's just because of Vanguard and a little bit of pandemic, you know, uh, boost fading and 
them figuring out how to make Warzone like, oh, we, we, you know, we're running a live service Call of Duty for almost the first time. And yeah, they can maybe they 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 write the ship uh, this fall. But if they don't, if Modern Warfare 2 doesn't blow everything out of the water and reverse all these trends, then I, I would be hugely concerned, um, especially with no Call of Duty to follow that in in 2023 um don't don't they have warzone 2 in 2023 or am i remiss i I think it's like a warzone 2.0 kind of thing which which you could which you could argue moving to blizzard is is sort of like overwatch 2.0 right they're they're shutting down the original overwatch but it's basically just you know we're moving everything to this version and it's going to be you know nicer and fancier but completely backwards compatible and we're trying to to keep from splintering the user base. And even, even so, it's not the same as a, a full-blown premium Call of Duty. I, I think you're right. Like there's, um, there's a serious issue here in terms of... Like, it's not just lack of product. It's a lack of originality. I mean, like, you know, the fact that the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 was the best-selling Call of Duty ever and is essentially a remake or rehash of the 2007 original. The fact that all this hope is... Re- all the hope for this year is riding on Modern Warfare 2, which is a sort of rehash of the 2009 original? Um, like, whenever the second Modern Warfare 2 was. Like, you see it in Blizzard's portfolio as well. Like, the fact that, um, you know, what's becoming a, ma- a major release for Blizzard is releasing old World of Warcraft expansions going back to like the, the you know the MMO's heyday like so we've got um Burning Burning Crusade classic came out last year we've got Wrath of the Lich King classic coming out this year like it's it's leaning too heavily on its biggest hits from yesteryear particularly given how much has changed in the market since those games first came out and like you, you know I'm not suggesting Activision will ever go back to the point where it had you know all the Guitar Heroes and the Skylanders and the Crash Bandicoot and Tony Hawk's and all those license deals were like X-Men and Spider-Man and Transformers and James Bond and all the... Like he was doing ridiculous numbers of products. But to narrow itself down this much, like, yeah, they are in not an ideal position. And we already know that there's fran- franchise fatigue. Grant, you're like, we, we, we ran a story, uh, a study last year. We um, uh, surveyed consumers who went to egx and asked them whether or not they were planning on buying the next call of duty and why or why not and the the majority or certainly like the largest chunk of respondents said like they had franchise fatigue they just they were tired of call of duty and so and i know that was a a sample but that still indicates that that fatigue is out there you mentioned uh burning crusade classic uh, and one one mm. thing that I didn't mention yet, Blizzard, the Blizzard segment's revenues, despite the launch of Diablo Immortal and despite them saying that Hearthstone uh, had solid growth year over year, Blizzard revenues were still down year over year, and they blamed it on a tough comparison against last year's launch of World of Warcraft Burning Crusade Classic. <laughs> that, for me, is alarming. Now, Diablo Immortal, it's like a much longer term kind of, you know, longer tail i guess that they will get with a mobile uh live service game like that than than a you know expansion like burning crusade classic but like i would i would be deeply concerned um if i were an activision blizzard investor that that their their big mobile free-to-play launch um barely nudged 
the active users for Blizzard and then couldn't keep its its you know revenues growing because it couldn't compare to you know a a vanilla rehash of in you know decade plus old uh mmo installment because world of warcraft itself like it still does well whenever they release a new expansion but it is not mm. you know it is not at its heyday from from back when they were announcing quarterly subscriber numbers of like 12 million or something very interesting to see how they perform this time next year like say post post modern warfare 2 and post like you know like you know wrath of lich king classic and i think dragonflight is the next world of warcraft expansion that's coming out this year like it just all seems very there are not many eggs in that basket to use a slightly lame well next year they have diablo 4 and they they are relying on that um also so i i mean yeah like next year at this time um i i could see activision blizzard being you know like hey we've we've righted the ship and everything's cool and i could also see them being like oh oh gosh no this is really not going well at all and and there's the microsoft acquisition of course which kind of changes um the 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 math on all this but if if the microsoft acquisition does not go through and like right now that acquisition might be um keeping keeping activision blizzard's share price from like a really sharp fall um but if it doesn't go through then the the hit to activision's share price if they haven't started to show signs of a turnaround by by the you know time that announcement gets made um it could get ugly yeah brief tangent while we're on that then the um recent recent days we've seen uh, a lot of people kind of pouring through like the regulatory filings and stuff that are going through all the the people invest all the the organizations and, and bodies investigating this acquisition so um one uh one one user on the reset era forums found a ton of like brazilian like basically the acquisition has to be approved by various kind of different markets and brazil apparently publicly or at least you know doesn't hide its documents um around this sort of uh, investigation so someone found these and translated them and you've got they've they've they all other publishers sorry, a number of other publishers were you know interviewed and surveyed like as to how, what effect the acquisition would have on their business and on the market if it goes through quite a few you know, like warner brothers and and other third party publishers like that were kind of essentially saying that oh, it doesn't make too much of a difference because we're we're the same we publish the same sort of games never mind the fact that nothing they produce is on the level of call of duty for example the big one that people picked up on was sony saying that call of duties are essentially a must-have title because you know the budget behind Call of Duty is more than some entire video game companies working on multiple projects, um, and they're like, and, and like even if you had the budget, the the user base is so entrenched that it would be difficult, perhaps impossible, to rival Call of Duty. So their concern is, as has it always been, I imagine, that Microsoft taking um, uh, Sony, sorry, Microsoft taking Call of Duty would influence which console people buy. Someone unearthed comments from a Microsoft response to the CMA, the Competition Markets Authority in the UK, from middle of June. 
Um, so these were older comments like prior to the, the Sony thing, but people only just unearthed them, where they tried to push the whole, oh, no, there's nothing really that stands out about Activision Blizzard titles compared to other ones. They are, you know, there's nothing that makes them a, a must-have uh, and therefore, no, it would be perfectly safe. And also, we have promised that we are going to honour all agreements and beyond to keep Call of Duty on other platforms. Um, just which I I still wonder, like they they, it would be daft to buy Call of Duty and not make it exclusive to your platform. But also, you must surely like you you lose half the money easily if you make it exclusive to your platform because you're then not getting the uh, the PlayStation revenue. I yeah, just it all just reminded me like that acquisition. Like people are still scrutinizing this so much, and I'm I don't recall another acquisition or another M and A deal like this that has gone through so much scrutiny that's had so much kind of intense look at it and questions as to whether or not it's going to go through. I still feel like it might go through, but so, we'll see. To connect the point that you're you're both making here, the through line is that. Um, also in that article, it mentioned, um, Sony commented that, um, in the source article, that Call of Duty as a video game IP is recognized as one of the, uh, top 10 entertainment franchises by fans and things like that. And when, when, when you think about that, and to the point that James made that there are teams and resources dedicated to developing call of duty that are literally the size of studios themselves right would they just serve as different divisions to work on different parts of the game so you're you're thinking about all those resources you're pouring in you're making all this revenue they're just this franchise um i think it's no wonder that there's a question of one what is stagnation gonna look like are we there yet will we might reach it when that year that year they're going to take off and there's no new Call of Duty. Will people respond in mass positively? Who's to say? Then there is that question of whether or not the question. Of, it also uh, there was a comment saying that you know Call of Duty is essentially synonymous with the shooter genre. That's not an if and. That's a definite like video game culture. Just even by the casual observer, that name alone will be brought up <laughs> in media in news stories, just as an example of shooters, because that that is what it is. It's made itself that way. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to make the... There's no way you can get that kind of capital. Like, you can't fight that. You would need, what, 20 years, right? Hypothetically speaking. But to go back to the point about the revenue and Call of Duty, I think what's really interesting and uh, MMA activity is because... If a platform holder like Microsoft literally owns something that just in a world of entertainment is a story in and of itself without mention of, you know, necessarily who owns it. Just Call of Duty itself as a series, just a microcosm of what that represents, all the, you know, everything about video games. That's really powerful, right? Um, and the reason why I think that that's as important is that Activision Blizzard is looking at their numbers. I don't know what they're thinking, but it's not good, given what, what Brendan and what James has said. 
And if Microsoft gets it, and, and, and the quote was that they're still going to fulfill the um, contractual obligations that Call of Duty has with other uh, platform holders. So we don't know how long that lasts. We don't really know. That might be in three years or four years, then it's going to be exclusive. Um, it's it, It's very weird because... This franchise has been so influential, whether or not that's a good or a bad thing. It's closed down studios. <laughs> it, 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 it's had people shuffled around just for the sake of keeping that machine going. And I, and with the way Vanguard did, I know they're looking, they're probably looking at their World War II uh, efforts or probably rethinking that, right? Um, I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's a weird time. It's a weird time. Um, but the comments that, Sony made regarding the acquisition, I don't think should come as to a shock to anyone because how, how, how can you, how can you even refute anything they said? Well, I, I don't necessarily refute it, but I, I, my expectation is that this goes through anyways. Um, I don't, I don't think it's good necessarily that, that Microsoft would uh, acquire Activision Blizzard and, and have, you know, an even larger footprint on the gaming industry. But I, I don't expect them to look at that that union and say that it is an antitrust violation or anything, or even gives them, you know, control over one genre or whatever to a to a concerning point that would have them intervene in the deal. I mean, you've got Microsoft for first person shooters; they have Halo, um, which is not necessarily what it used to be um the the chief rival i guess sony has uh bungie now they're they're clearly viable first person shooters there there are a wealth of first person shooter developers uh of very small scale uh, and medium scale too out there like I, I don't think we're hurting for first person shooters and i think there are lots of companies that are able to make them and succeed even though call of duty is kind of an 800 pound gorilla uh you look at blizzard stuff does microsoft have a world of warcraft style mmo no um they don't they don't have a diablo kind of thing if if you even thought diablo was a big enough deal to to kind of dominate the action rpg sort of loot fest uh genre it it just and and they don't have much of a, a mobile development presence so so king kind of rounds out microsoft's offering like it 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 doesn't strike me as um what i would expect to to fill kind of the criteria for it being anti-competitive and and hurting consumer choice uh, i'm i have more optimism actually about the uh, ftc stepping in with the meta acquisition of within uh, over over the vr space because that situation looks a lot more to me like okay well here is a massive company um, getting control of a more distinct market of vr and at the expense of uh, consumers because i mean Meta has already uh, kind of 
changed policies on people, things like the required Facebook login that they just arbitrarily like, oh, it's required now. Oh, no, we're going to go back on that now. You need a meta login. It's different. But uh, and then, you know, jacking up the price of the hardware by 100 bucks because they can seems like, um, you know, a, another instance where they might be less inclined to uh, rubber stamp that that acquisition. So even, even though the Activision Blizzard uh, situation is like, it's a much larger deal. It's a much larger acquisition. Um, what, 68 billion, uh, I believe. I, I, I don't, I don't see anything that's kind of stands out as like a red flag for me to, to keep it from going through. Let's segue seamlessly then to Microsoft because I'd like to talk about their results as well. Um, going, this goes back to something that you were talking about earlier, Brendan, with um, Activision Blizzard and the, the drop in engagement. Microsoft saw this as well. So Microsoft didn't see as steep a decline um, and we don't get as much detail on their financials as we did about Activision Blizzard. But um, revenues fell by 7% uh, of, of overall Oh, no, sorry, that's game, gaming revenues fell by 7%, specifically Xbox content and services, which I believe is essentially software, everything that's not hardware sales, uh, revenue dipped by 6%. And they attributed this to lower engagement hours and monetizations in both Microsoft's own titles and those of third parties. And yeah, this goes back to the overall theme of people are going outside again. People aren't playing video games half as much as they have the last two summers. And therefore, the companies that rely on that or, or you know, profit most from that are the ones who are going to see see their, their results dip a bit. Um, what, what struck me here was, it's awful, but I hadn't twigged until Rob Farhi, who's our um, contributing editor, wrote a column spinning out kind of the, the Xbox and other results like into a kind of a general trend of like... like you know, reiterating, 2022 is a very quiet year in terms of new releases. Like, there's a lot more reliance on engagement and monetization of older titles than there is on brand new launches that drive a lot of people to buy games, whether that's download or through retail. Um, his overall point was that there's actually opportunity here for smaller publishers or like kind of those those just below kind of bestseller hits to like be the ones that stand out this year. But he pointed out, and I can't believe I didn't tweak to this, Microsoft does not have a single first-party release this calendar year. Like, Sony only has three, and that's only if you count Gran Turismo 7, which is relatively niche, but Microsoft does not have a single one. It is, ah, no, I lie, it has As Dusk Falls, um, which is the interior night narrative-driven game. But I think in the grand scheme of things, if we're looking at first-party releases like you know, Forzas and Gears of Wars and Halos and so forth, Microsoft doesn't have a single thing. And that means it's got a very, very interesting year ahead of it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't say this flippantly, but um, I think the focus on what they want to offer consumers has been, I don't, I don't want to say pretty obvious, has been, I, I, I like to say rather clear that, you know, it's, it's been more um, just offering the library via um, Game Pass. And also, uh, I forget the exact wording that they used during um, not E3, but uh, I, I think what was said was that they, they were showing either updates or trailers to games coming out within the next calendar year. I may be wrong. I'm sorry for, for botching that. 
but it was worded a specific kind of way. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that recognized that. But uh, yeah, it's like you said. Like worded to say this isn't necessarily 2022, but it is right. kind of close. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting because like they're trying to build Game Pass subscriptions, but one of the biggest selling points for Game Pass was, you know, first party titles on day one. Um, so it'll they do have some some good third party titles debuting into Game Pass uh, from time to time, I think. But like it'll be interesting to see when it comes time for people to uh renew their subscriptions because like my own uh expires this month if they're going to be willing to renew it and frankly like it's 15 dollars a month or something to renew game pass and i i just played power wash simulator uh through game pass and that was that was pretty cool i guess that's kind of fun but like i don't i don't think it's going to keep me in there for $15 a month fun it's difficult isn't it It, 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 we've said this about game pass before it depends entirely how you engage with the hobby like I think their hope is that they're going to attract a broader audience that dips in and out of games more in the style of like Netflix and Disney plus subscribers I mean like I yeah I'm on game pass as and when that expires I may not renew as brilliant as it is and as, as many, many games as there is, I have got far too large a backlog to justify it. Kind of like um, Brendan, like, yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed a, a few levels of Power Wash Simulator, but I still haven't finished Cyberpunk Simulator. Uh, yeah, Cyberpunk Simulator. Cyberpunk 2077, which I own outright and, you know, uh, doesn't require me to renew renew my subscription to keep playing it. Um, I think we might be yeah. hitting a point of just like societal subscription fatigue. I mean, like Mercedes mm. was trying to get people to subscribe to the uh, heated seats feature in their cars. <laughs> um, so like companies have become absolutely ruthless about just, oh, is it connected? So we can take stuff away from you? Okay. Well, in that yeah. case, then you're going to have to pay us regularly for this. I mean, just between like, uh, you know, news websites that i have subscriptions to and then disney plus and then netflix and then game pass and nintendo switch online and like and and that's me a person who really just kind of doesn't like the subscription model and i've got you know six or seven of these things dinging my bank account every month um and honestly, like the, this Game Pass subscription's coming up for me this month, and I, I don't think I'm going to be renewing. I'm, I'm, because I'm already like at the point where it's just like this is, this is too much, and I don't have time to really get my money's worth out of it. So, I've I've had Sony email, you know, getting the reminder emails from Sony that my my PlayStation Plus, um, it, you know, expires at the end of April, not end of end end of August. Um, but you know, I can I can upgrade. You know, I can renew or I can upgrade to extra or premium, and I'm not going to because I barely use PlayStation Plus as it is. Um, I only you know the only reason I'm still subscribed to Nintendo Switch Online is because I forgot to un- unsubscribe before it auto renewed, and yeah, Game Pass the same. Like it, it's there are so so many subscription services out there, like you say, that we all 
are racking up, it's it's difficult. And and companies are putting more and more weights behind the, or more and more stock in these subscriptions. I mean, you know, as Jeffrey said, Microsoft's intentions have been clear for years. Game Pass is, is central to its strategy. Absolutely. But even PlayStation, PlayStation had its own declines um, and they said that the you know the the plan to kind of bulk up the second half of the calendar year no sorry second half of the financial year is through you know the release of you know big games largely God of War in November um but also increased promotion of that new PlayStation Plus multi-tier subscription service and yeah yeah like they seem to be keen to like push forward that as a, as their serious source of revenue and like and make it a, a pillar of their their business and i understand that but equally like playstation plus expanded what early june in most markets may in some markets and the the number of subscribers is barely up compared to this time last year so like the, the last this time last year, okay. There's there's one million more subscribers, like compared to the same quarter last year. So it's at forty seven point three million now, forty six point three million in Q one or you know calendar Q two last year. But even yeah, like PlayStation Plus subscribe subscription numbers have been going up and down, you know, for a good few years. And that you know forty seven point three million is not a dramatic step up from what we've seen in recent years. So I know the expanded service has only been available for I think yeah like a month when that number was collected but given that that was the big launch of it you kind of would hope to see more of an uptick i also think um it 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 is weird because um i'm i like to think maybe they're just i don't i I probably this is a poor choice of words just preparing for a year with more offerings or just banking on the fact that Game Pass and what they have now is is doing them well, and they're getting more content from different creators um, and developers. I I honestly don't know. We're running short of time. Are there any other companies that have uh, released financials recently? We kind of want to talk about the the situation they're in. I'm I'm going to briefly touch on Nintendo, if I may. Um, you last- can say EA EA did um, fairly well, so it's not. It's not entirely like everyone no. is is getting beat up. No, that's fair. That's fair. EA EA are doing well. Um, I'm intrigued. EA's financials, I think, are going to be more interesting next year. Uh, no, sorry, not next year. The year after. Basically, when when the FIFA brand switches over, this year is the last FIFA. FIFA 23 will be the last FIFA from EA, and after that will be EA Sports FC. And I know enough of the core audience know that it will be the same. It will be the same series, and I imagine they will brand it as close to the FIFA boxes as possible to make sure, like the the box at least looks instantly like a FIFA box, even if it doesn't have that massive FIFA logo. But I'm still, I'm always intrigued, like when a, when a a brand completely changes or or your changes hands, what impact that has on sales for those who for you know, for, given that FIFA is like up there with Call of Duty, like the most mainstream video game release in terms of like consoles and pc titles the most mainstream release that non-gamers or you know casual gamers is essentially will less less active gamers will buy um i'm intrigued but yeah no it, it was good to see ea ea actually did fairly well well you know how like um in the wire 
when they got everyone hooked and then they just like changed the name of the product to pandemic and then everyone goes for that i'm i'm guessing it's it's going to be uh kind of kind of similar to that with uh with fifa for some reason now ea is also um they've they've acquired a bunch of companies in in the pandemic so you you've got like uh playdemic they bought glue mobile codemasters um they've they've bought enough where even if everyone winds up doing exactly what they were doing before the pandemic like even if that boost fades completely ea's results their sales um they're probably going to wind up significantly above where the company was before the pandemic and i i think that's one of the reasons why uh ea's q1 numbers this this time out were were pretty good they um you know revenue was up 14 percent year on year they're income income was up 52 percent and i think part of that was because you know they they've got um the uh playdemic golf clash developer um their their results hadn't been their their acquisition hadn't been finalized in the year ago quarter so uh that that helped you know help them like their engagement numbers were up they had 600 million active ea accounts and instead of like 580 the 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 previous uh quarter so that that kind of um uh that that those acquisitions i think will will continue to uh pay off at least in making ea's uh ea's numbers weather this this industry downturn uh a little better than some of the other publishers so it's probably worth mentioning at this point um it was interesting hearing andrew wilson so ceo andrew wilson's uh comments during the earnings call like there was rumors uh, back in May that EA had been in talks with uh, the likes of like Amazon, Apple, Disney, NBC Universal to be acquired, uh, and obviously this kind of followed in the wake of you know the aforementioned Microsoft Activision uh, acquisition plans and you know Take Two buying Zynga, and just like you know the number of massive M and A deals deals we've seen this year, um, and and he has apparently come out and said. No, um, essentially, no, we are not going, not, not selling. Uh, he said, in a world where gaming is becoming more important to the lives of Gen Z, Gen Z, but he would have said Gen Z, and Gen Alpha, who will be the leading generation in terms of consumption, entertainment for the future, I don't think we could be in a stronger position as a standalone company. There's a longer quote, obviously, in the uh, full story, which you can find on Games Your Biz, but yeah, I, it's given the number of rumours about various companies being sold and bought up it was interesting to see one like actually come out and say nope we are not selling we are okay thank you very much and the numbers kind of back that up yeah one would imagine with the they, they're, they're also in i know i don't need to say this but i i feel like it's relevant to say they're also in that unique position where that when you think about sports games you know that sell really well they that's ea i mean i know that's not the only thing that they do but you know when you look at their financials and you see the words fifa and f1 are doing well it's like of course sports games that's what you are about <laughs> you're fine i'm just gonna finish off then with nintendo uh, nintendo released its financials earlier this week actually today today um and they are also having their own issues. Uh, theirs is primarily their reliance on hardware. It's uh, it's the semiconductor uh, shortage is has been attributed to you know the the decline of uh, Switch. So Switch 
switch shipments, so units sold into retail, were down uh, 23% year on year. Uh, still 3.43 million switches. This is the thing with Nintendo. Like, you know, like yes, it's down. Yes, there's a decline in the number of switches. You know, shifted it. You know, within the quarter, but that's still you know like more than three million switches sold into retail. And this is the sixth year. It's like you have to kind of keep reminding yourself that Nintendo is at a completely different console life cycle to Sony and Microsoft. This is the sixth year. Uh, Nintendo claims that the where's the the quote was demand remains stable in all regions for Switch, um, you know, people are still buying it as fast as they can make it. The issue is how fast they can make it. Like, it's the semiconductor shortage in terms of compiling and assembling the um, the device itself. We saw re- reports last week that Hasiden Corp, uh, sorry, Hasiden Corporation, which is one of the major assemblers for Nintendo, like, they're having issue securing components. So, yeah, I mean, this isn't new per se. Like, you know, Nintendo's full year results earlier this year, so back in May when they released their full year full year results they you know i think nintendo switch sales or shipments were down 26 percent year on year for the entire year because of the semiconductor shortage the, the hope is obviously is that as that eventually evens out it will be okay but like nintendo's kind of hanging in there but it's it's it, nintendo's usually the one that can weather the the summer the summer when most people like go outside they take a nintendo device with them because nintendo has always made some sort of handheld but yeah, this year it's, it's it's had a bit more of a dip, uh, and that's because the ongoing effect of the the pandemic on on semiconductor production. It's a little strange because other people aren't seeing that same effect. Like Sony is has said that their PS five uh, production has has started to ease up, and I, I've seen anecdotally people like say, "Oh my gosh, this is actually like available. It's it's on shelves." Um, and and then Valve with the uh, the Steam Deck. I know they're operating at a different scale than Sony, but they were still saying like, "Hey, we are able to to our supply chain shortages have eased up a bit, and they moved up the delivery estimates for um, everyone that had a Steam Deck reserved." So they're hoping to satisfy all the outstanding demand for that this year. Um, so like those are really encouraging. And, and I've seen also anecdotally um, graphics cards, uh, apparently. That, that may have been aided by the kind of crypto winter thing um, that, that happened a month or two ago. But um, yeah, just it, when, when we're seeing signs at a variety of scales in different parts of the industry that maybe this difficult stretch for for the supply chain is is easing um it seems it seems strange that nintendo would be pointing to that as as a problem particularly when um locally uh, at least and it seems like in canada and the u.s uh getting your hands on a switch has not been a particularly difficult thing maybe an oled model is harder to come by but you know i I go down to the drugstore and they're just sitting on on the shelf there if someone wants to impulse buy them like I guess there's two key differences here one is that one is the fact that in, like the, the switch is so old it's six six years so like the 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 demand for it, it as much as they say the demand remains stable in all regions like the demand for it will be different compared with the new hotness um I think the the bigger difference is and I grant you now I am not an expert in these matters but the switch is such a different device in terms of how it is built and how it is composed like yeah like the 
The Xbox and the PlayStation are essentially massive computers. The Switch is a tablet. And so I imagine they're competing with the component producers and the component that you providers for who also supply all the smartphones and tablets and all the other kind of you know mo- mo- mobile smart devices like switch is such a different device i can't imagine it's in direct competition with sony and microsoft for specific parts so yeah i, I imagine the manufacturing is is different enough that it faces different challenges That is all we've got time for this week. You can find previous episodes of this podcast on the podcasting platform of your choice and you can find more news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at the new look gamesindustry.biz. 